This episode of the Virtuecast is brought to you by the new Microsoft Surface Pro 6. It's light, super fast, and has a great battery life. So you can work how you want for as long as you want, wherever work takes you. Get more power and more speed with the new Surface Pro 6. Hello, and welcome to the Virtuecast, the flagship podcast of CES 2019. I, I think that's actually... No, I, the, contractually, you're not allowed to say that. It's <laughs> like a trademark <laughs> violation. Anyway, hi, I'm Neelai. I'm your friend. Dieter is here. I'm your companion. We're in Dieter's hotel room. Right yeah, now. it's really weird. It's an invasion of my privacy. Vlad Saboff is here. Hello. And Ashley Carmen is here. Hello. So it is day zero. I hate this numbering scheme. It's not a good <laughs> numbering scheme, but we've done it for a decade, so we're sticking <laughs> with it. It is the day before the official day of CES beginning. CES is a consumer electronics show. It is what we are told aggressively is the biggest show in tech up for debate but we're in vegas at yep. ces this is where all the stuff is supposed to happen One hundred and eighty thousand attendees this year which is down two percent from last year or something that's two percent oh, i'm feeling it yeah <laughs> as a member of the verge international team i absolutely have to dispute the whole biggest tech show in the world wow because ifa exists exactly yeah the and ifa happens in berlin and fun fact about IFA, it doesn't have its original name anymore because it was this really long German name that nobody could bother to learn and pronounce. <laughs> so now it's just IFA. And one time I was like, I'm going to do my research. I'm going to be hardcore about this. I was doing an IFA preview and I spelled out the whole thing. And then they got in touch with me and they were like, no, just Eva. That's fine. <laughs> that's our branding now. That's, that's who we are. Anyway, so we're in Vegas. We got a whole crew with us. We've been running around for the past couple of days at all the press events. Tomorrow, the show floor of CES opens. The show is officially kicked off. But really, all the news sort of like happens today. Cause yeah, it's supposed to happen. It's <laughs> so we'll get to that in a second. But in order to open the show floor where all the stuff is, the companies like Samsung and Sony and LG, they have to announce the stuff first. Here are, here are our new TVs. So today was a bunch of press conferences where they announced all the new TVs, more or less. Yeah. And then tomorrow, the show floor opens. We'll get to go look at them. So... Dieter, you've been coming to CES for... This is my 13th straight year coming to CES. You're a crazy oh person. God. I think I'm at 10. Yeah. Might be 11. Vlad, you're right there with you me. You must have more than 10 because this is my 10th. So I think I'm at 11. Yeah. At least. Uh, which, which is a lot. Ashley? This is my third. Third? third? Yeah. No, three is three is a veteran for sure. <laughs> and you'll notice in Ashley's voice, she still has like the glow of youth, <laughs> the fresh-faced excitement. <laughs> Because uh, it's a slog in Vegas. But here's what I'm going to say. And we, here's what we're going to talk about. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Apple is here, yeah. bizarrely, in a big way. There's CS is fundamentally a show where all the new TVs get announced. So all the big companies have put out new TVs. There is a bunch of crazy CES stuff. I'll tell you the most popular post on our site right now as we record is an OtterBox case with a built-in pop socket. Mm -hmm. You just never know what's going to happen in CES. Vlad's disdain. What's going to capture the, well, the interest of the is masses. It, is it for iPhones? Yeah. 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 Yes, then, then it's the thing. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a bunch of silly stuff. And then AT&T and, and T-Mobile are in a fight on Twitter. In the mentions to a Verge tweet, which is a deeply weird for two corporations. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about. <laughs> but I'll say it's quieter here. than Yeah. One of the ways that you can tell how big the crowd is here is there's all these like press events before things start where like you go into a ballroom and look at a bunch of gadgets. And typically, we know what the score is. You have to get there super early get in the front of the line, maybe try and get early access if you can. And year after year, we, we show up earlier and earlier just to make sure that we get at the front so we can get in first and get a table to sit down and put our laptop. And typically before, like, for example, there's a show called CES Unveiled. Uh, 
it doors open at five. Um, typically at like four o'clock or three thirty, there's like a hundred to one hundred fifty press in line. At a half hour before the show, the thing opened, it was like twenty five people. Yeah, there was just almost nobody. It's worth mentioning Dieter was right in front of the line. Yeah, of course I was in front of the line. Come on, <laughs> yeah. and that it was like that yesterday. It was like that most of today, and it wasn't until this evening's press ballroom conference called Pepcom that I actually experienced a real crowd at CES. Yeah, and the only other keynote that had a big crowd of people was apparently samsung's keynote they had they had a massive crush of human humanity well, they pay everybody to go well there's that um but like lg <laughs> Sorry, was pretty quiet a, yeah that's a complete conspiracy theory is it i'm just saying when you own the entire influence industry yeah they all gotta show up yeah. Well, also i always look at the venetian so the venetian does all the private you know mm-hmm. like meetings with the top top people and the lines to get to the towers is always freaking crazy like they have like it roped off where you have to wait in a huge queue there was no line to the point that i was just like all right like i can just cruise right up to any suite i want in the venetian get it there's two things i should just throw in here i was talking to one audio company And they were saying how the Venetian previously used to be like Audio Central. Speakers up to like $100,000 with Mm $3,000 USB cables. Um, Vlad stuff. (laughs) Vlad stuff, absolutely. Vlad and James Burham, right? You can't get James Burham to come out to CES unless he's $10,000 or above. (laughs) Let's get that straight. I miss you, James. Um, And maybe it's because James isn't here, but they just didn't turn up. So they would occupy at least two floors of the Venetian, and I was just a few scattered suites. So I'm thinking... A lot of companies are seeing less and less return on investment, maybe, yeah. coming to CES. Anyway, so I don't want to get into the, the, the like business strategy of CES or like whatever. Like the, There's a big company called the CEA that's responsible for CES. Their numbers are going to go up and down. The reason I bring it up is I think the theories for why the show seems quieter this year are actually really interesting. So one is that I, I, we just, I've heard this. I can't verify it, but I've heard it from a bunch of places. Uh, that the number of Chinese companies at CES is significantly lower than last year because Chinese companies and executives do not want to come to the United States right now, uh, which is just like a wild idea that is just being floated in like the halls of Vegas this week. I think we should go report it out, but it's like definitely one thing I've heard. Then there's a thing Vlad is saying, which is the return on investment of coming to a big show where you will be obviously drowned out in the news cycle. I think companies are starting to figure it out. And this is my segue. I set, I set, I set myself up here. The company that most obviously used to do that was Apple. They sat the show out, and they didn't make any news. So Apple, that's not entirely true. Apple will make has historically made news at CES, but they did it by trolling the industry by like uh, announcing another, like they would, people like, we're going to invite you to come look at the new Apple thing, and you'd get the invite while you were at Yes. Yeah. Yes. One they year, would the suck all the air out of the room, and everyone would be wondering what was going on with Apple. I mean, they did this with like the iPhone. Right. They're like, come, come look at the iPhone. Why you see yes? And then one year they did it with the iPhone on Verizon. Yeah. Which now, in retrospect, looks like the lowest stakes announcement in the entire world. <laughs> but like back one then more it carrier. And then a few years ago, they did they like the the little MacBook leaked. Yeah. Like the single port. So, but Apple like that was their level of participation. Yeah. This year, all of the news at CES is like kind of dominated in this first day, which is a TV day. It's like kind of dominated by Apple. Which was a surprise because we thought we knew what Apple's troll was this year because they put up a giant banner with the iPhone facing the the entire consumer electronics industry that said what happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone. Unless the iPhone is listening. Or maybe you're in China and then things are a bit more flexible. (laughs) Yeah, right. 
So it was like, okay, that's <laughs> Apple's troll. They're, they're trolling it, and everyone's going to talk about privacy. Everyone's talking about privacy anyway. Because that's literally whatever. facing like the big Google house. Yeah, right. right. Faces the Hey Google Mance. Yeah. Mance? The yeah. Mance. It's a Mance. It has a kitchen. We it has a kitchen. <laughs> so we, no. yeah, we thought yeah. Apple's big ad was a thing. But then literally the first big announcement of CES, which is insane, <laughs> is Samsung announced that Samsung TVs would get an iTunes app. iTunes iTunes. There are no tunes in this iTunes app. It is iTunes Movies and TV yeah. running on Tizen, which is Samsung's weird Linux smart TV operating system. It's going to get uh, an iTunes app. It's going to get AirPlay 2. I'm going to just tell you this right now. The iTunes app on Samsung TVs will have Bixby integration, which is fucking crazy. And we're like, that's nuts. Apple like did the thing with their biggest rival. Yeah. And then today... Vizio announced that its TVs from 2016 up. Oh, that early. Right. So Samsung TVs from like 2018 and 2019. Yeah. We'll get iTunes. That'll come in spring. Vizio TVs from 2016 up running SmartCast 2. Yeah. We'll get AirPlay 2 and HomeKit. Yeah. Samsung TVs won't get HomeKit. LG TVs from this year will get AirPlay 2 and HomeKit. And then Sony TVs will get AirPlay 2 and HomeKit. So can I make an observation here? I think the two things are tied together. Yeah. The, the massive Apple ad, which which isn't going to be cheap. It's not even a banner. Um, it's, it's the side of a building. It, they, yeah, they literally repainted the side of a hotel. And as Dieter says, it faces everyone. It is right in the face of yeah. the computer, com, consumer electronics industry. So if you come to CES, there is no way you skip that. You see it, right? So Apple never needed to do that over, let's say, the past five, six years or however many. But what's happened with CES over the past one or two years is Amazon's Alexa has become the thing that third-party manufacturers are making devices for. Yep. And then Google last year decided, okay, we want some of that business. And they invested tons and tons of money to basically force-feed Google Assistant into the same position as Amazon Alexa. And I think that's working out. They're doing it again this year. They've, like the, the way that I would describe Google's setup at CES is a compound. Yeah, that's you good. Know, multi-stories. They have one side of the building that they've erected is mm. massive screen. Yeah, I mean, they, they're not cutting any corners in terms yeah. of spending. So Amazon has become a real big deal here. Without technically having a presence, Google has become a big deal by forcing it. And Apple, which used to be the big deal, there was an iLounge at CES. I don't even know if that exists anymore. It does not. No. Which was literally, what do iPhone and iPad and Mac users want? What do Apple users want and need in terms of third-party accessories? That's what we're going to make. So now... Now people are doing other things. And with Apple distributing its software and its services on all these TVs, to me that speaks to Apple's actual mortality as a business. You know, previously it was, screw you guys, if somebody wants to use our superior services, they'll buy our hardware. Screw you guys, we don't need to pay any attention to CES, you just build things anyway because we're right. immortal, yeah. right? With gods of the tech industry. And what's happened is this year, that's not the case. Apple is spending money on advertising like everybody else. It has to play nice with people who make other ubiquitous hardware, such as Samsung, such as all the other TV manufacturers. And it's already had to do that with Apple Music and Android. And Alexa. Yeah. Right. So Apple Music is supporting Alexa now. Yeah. So I agree with you. I Right. I mean, we just spent all of last week on the show talking about Apple sales in China and, you know, refactored earning guidance and all that stuff. But they made these plans way before that, right? Part of my the jokes yesterday where I was like, was that EQ just like in the sands at 4 a.m. with like some Samsung executive. He was like, fuck it, iTunes. <laughs> right? Like, this is a weird announcement. It came out of nowhere. No one saw it coming. The app isn't ready. So 
I asked Apple straight up, like, who is making this app? Are you starting a team of Tizen engineers to make Samsung an app for their TV platform? Or is Samsung doing it for you? Yeah. Is it Apple Music on Android? Or is it a rocker? Yeah. The, like, that's the Motorola, the terrible the Motorola, Motorola phone. iTunes phone. And the answer was nothing to share at this time. Yeah. Which is like insane. Like, you know, you know the answer whether Apple or Samsung is building your iTunes app. You also presumably know the answer of why it's called iTunes, which is IDQ was drunk at the sands at four in the morning and decided to put iTunes everywhere. So, I, you know, like, well, but I think given now the scale of the announcements, right, it's every major manufacturer. Yep. Um, and they were all ready for it in their presentations at the press conferences today. It's like pretty obvious, right? And like Chris Welch and I saw a demo of AirPlay 2 this morning. It's like pretty obvious. Like they did this well in advance, yeah. probably before this earnings guidance flipped over for them. It's also pretty obvious why they're doing it, why they have put AirPlay on all these TVs and why in particular they put iTunes on Samsung TVs, which is this is the year that they launched their TV service. Right. They're spending billions of dollars on fancy people to make them TV yeah, shows. Yeah. And like they don't want to spend all that money and make all those shows and have it only available on Apple TVs. And so they need to have a way for people that have iPhones to stream it to their TV really easily if they don't want to buy an Apple TV. And then, I, I, you know, Samsung. I agree with you. But a lot of people already have TVs. Like that's like a, not a great, it's still not a great sale. Yeah, that's true. Right? Like- how many years before the 2019 LG TVs, or as ubiquitous yeah, as every fair. year yeah. of LG TVs that have been sold in the past? So it's interesting that none of this is backwards compatible. And then you still, if you want to watch whatever show Oprah is making, right, or Shonda Rhimes is making for Apple, yeah, you have to still have to buy Apple hardware in some way. So is there is there a way that we can classify this? If we say like the start of 2019 is essentially the beginning of Apple is more of a media company than it's previously been, uh, because previously we could. I think the device that kind of defined it was the HomePod, mm-hmm. right? Superior engineering, far-field microphones, all of that good stuff, good sound, et cetera, et cetera, and just so narrowly focused on the Apple ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote about it. Is The HomePod appeals to me. I'm, I'm the Verge's resident audiophile. I care about sound, but, like, what do I play with it? <laughs> what do I plug into it? I have an Android phone, and I like the only Apple device I really have is uh, my MacBook Pro. And Apple just kind of didn't care about people like me. And now, as I say, it's doing things where it recognizes that it needs to have more services, and services have to be ubiquitous. So what's the name of that era? The uh, hope I, this works I'll tell you. era? <laughs> it, the, the, it's, it's the era of, of Apple willing to airplay ball. Right. Dieter is fired. No. <laughs> See? Ashley just fired you. That's, the sound. <laughs> That's what it sounds like when Ashley fires you. I just want to know what those negotiations were like. Like when Apple came to Samsung, if Samsung just like laughed and was like, give us iTunes. Yeah. Oh, no, like no, if they no, were no. like, you can never play. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I spent a lot of time with Koreans this week and they're way too polite. I mean, <laughs> I mean they would go to the other okay. room, laugh, and then come back and just very politely say, okay, we accept. Yeah. I just wonder if they like negotiated harder than everyone else and that's why they got iTunes. Like if Apple was going to be like, you get AirPlay too like everybody else, like Vizio and LG and like whatever. And then Samsung was like, you want access to our TVs? We actually have the upper hand. Not only give us iTunes, iTunes. give us iTunes and Bixby gets to talk to it. Like that is crazy. That is, yes. I just realized something. TCL don't have an AirPlay 2 or any deal with Apple today. I spoke with them this week and they said they're the second biggest TV maker in the United States. Yeah. And they're Chinese. Yeah. So there's a lot there. So let me just go to Ashley's point for one second. So if you look at the split between what the other three got and what Samsung got, it's fascinating. So Samsung got an app 
that talks to Samsung services, Bixby, its search, its guide. It got AirPlay 2. It did not get HomeKit, right? So if you say, hey, Siri, turn on the TV, it can't do it. Which is bonkers because Samsung owns SmartThings. And SmartThings is like the canonical example of an Internet of Things home thing that will talk. It's meant as a translation layer. It's meant as a thing that lets everything talk to each other. And no home kit. But doesn't that make sense? Because they want Bixby to be, they want Bixby to be your smart system. Like they're Bixby launching their anything. home speaker, whatever. Has it already been said on this podcast that they should just stop trying to make Bixby happen? It's the official position of the Verge cast that Bixby has to stay because dogs wearing shoes are cute. Yeah. Bixby's a dog with shoes. And we're not going to rest until Samsung just gives up, and that's the logo for Bixby. Yeah. We have a, a wide array of fan art that they could just take at any time. What happened In to vector that, format. It's what happened to that WebOS penguin or whatever they have? Oh, that, that uh, bird? The bean bird. Bean bird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is, it's not I'm, a great. I miss that guy. <laughs> bean bird's around. He's still there. You buy an LG TV. Yeah. Bean bird all you over the place. A, you, could, you could have bean bird roll up, like literally roll up. All right. So, okay. So that's what Samsung got. Yeah. They got AirPlay 2, and they got iTunes, which I literally cannot say without laughing. Then Vizio and LG and Sony, which is interesting for another reason, they got AirPlay 2 and HomeKit, which is crazy town. You're kind of saying that like it's self-evident why it's crazy town and why it's... Why didn't they get iTunes? They didn't get iTunes. Why not? Samsung is good at negotiating. Right. Because Samsung's a big name in TV. So Samsung is like, all right, well, we have the upper hand here for whatever reason. And so they, Samsung chose to not get HomeKit because they don't want people using HomeKit. They want people using smart, smart things. things. Yeah, for sure. And iTunes then, is huge. Like, yeah. again, because it's like Bixby's running it TVs. and it's an app on their TV. So the reason I keep saying the split is crazy town is because Samsung got one thing. They got an app and the other people got an integration with Apple's ecosystem. On top of that, Sony got HomeKit and AirPlay and they run android on their tvs so it's like a little bit insane that like the biggest vendor of android tvs now has a bunch of apple integration baked into it vizio uh runs chromecast that's their operating system and smartcast which is built on google yep and they're running a bunch of apple integrated services and i just don't know why samsung wouldn't take HomeKit or whether apple held it back and said we'll give you itunes but we don't own HomeKit," or they they gave it to everybody else as the carrot where everyone just got to pick and choose. Like, it's just like unclear. What I suspect is that Samsung got an exclusive on this iTunes yeah. in that when this TV service launches, someone at Apple has to be like, we should rename iTunes. It doesn't have any tunes to our TV service name. And then everyone will get the TV service app. It's like the only thing that makes sense. Or they're calling their TV service iTunes. <laughs> You're killing me. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I think that they're like, all right, we old people love iTunes. Ash is going we to do something with this name. It's going to be called iTunes. I mean, they already spun out Apple Podcasts and Apple Music, and you like cannot call it iTunes, or Why else not? Apple will come for you. Right. So no, they're going to change it. iTunes is dead. Except for iTunes movies and TVs coming at Samsung smart TVs. We just need a rebrand. Spring twenty nineteen. They kind of stuck for names though, because they can't use Apple TV. That's a useful piece of hardware. They can definitely use Apple TV. Apple TV stuff. 
<laughs> the Apple TV app. And that's what they're going to call it. They're going to call it TV. Apple TV. It's going to be, it's just going to be an Apple logo in the middle of your Samsung TV or your Vizu TV. It doesn't have an are, they, are they going to insist that we never pronounce the Apple now because it's a logo? Yeah. It's just it's the just, app. That's we, like MasterCard. They just got rid of their that entire MasterCard name. Thing is insane. It's a logo. That is, that is literally, <laughs> if you want to talk about a decision that was obviously made wasted in a Vegas, Vegas casino, <laughs> it's a MasterCard putting out a press release that's saying we're dropping the name MasterCard and now we are just two interlocking circles. That is a real thing that happened today. What? It today? is insane. It so is don't put insane. it past Apple. Can we put out a press release? It's like the Verge logo no longer says the Verge because we have the triangle logo. Yeah. Yep. Okay, fine. Well, everyone get That's ready for cooler. our press release. Oh, man. Do you, want, do you want me to talk about what my Twitter name means? Because I'm ready for it right now. Dieter, you've had like half a beard. Okay. All right, let me just say one more thing about <laughs> Apple and smart TVs. The really super interesting thing about the whole deal is smart TVs are super notorious for tracking everything you do on them. They all, every single one of them runs automatic content recognition. So they, the glass literally like sees what's being displayed on it. And then they track that viewing data and you can turn it off. You're supposed to be able to opt out. Like if you try to turn it off during setup on a Sony TV, you're like, no, don't do that. And then you get another screen that's like, but don't you want your TV to be awesome? <laughs> like it's like, it's really aggressive to get you to opt in. Apple made all of them turn it off for AirPlay 2 and iTunes. So Samsung is not allowed to track what happens in the iTunes app. No one is allowed to track what happens over AirPlay 2. They just push the industry into stopping this tracking, that which is a, a huge step. Yeah. And you have to believe that they're going to not do it. Which, yeah. Vizio? <laughs> I mean, Apple, easy. watch Vizio. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening to this episode of the Virtual you probably see in the feed, I interviewed Vizio CTO, and we put, published that episode yesterday. And I tweeted, my parents' Vizio TV hits the network 10 times more than any other device on their network. And he was like, you could have just called us. Like, you could have called, <laughs> it sounds like a customer support issue. Like, that's probably a bug. And I was like, no. And he's like, well, just stop that. <laughs> <laughs> you should listen to that. It's really interesting. But Apple got the entire industry to stop tracking, which leads to this like really weird backwards thing, which is they can't prevent Sony or Vizio or whoever from tracking HDMI one. Mm-hmm. So you just buy an Apple TV and plug it into HDMI. And Sony can track, track the hell out of you, right? Because they, they can't stop them from that. But if you AirPlay 2 to the Sony operating system, to Android... Apple has a deal in place that prevents them from tracking you. This is an Which example. Is super upside down. This is an example of something that we've had more than once in recent times, and I think that's going to be a bigger deal again. We as consumers, as little people, as commoners, are increasingly relying on big companies being hostile to one another and moderating one another. I mean, yeah. previously it was competition. I want to sell the better product. I'm going to compete with you on price and so on and so on. Now it's like Apple has its own priorities, and it says stop being so evil to the people so you can serve our priorities. And we hope that there'll be nice conflict between Google and Amazon and Facebook so those guys never collude and, you know, destroy the universe, hopefully. And it's like, again, I'm coming from an international perspective, but a little bit of regulation would have hurt here. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just a touch of regulation, just a sliver. So again, I was talking to Bill Baxter. I've been to CES for a long time. I've talked to a lot of TV executives. I have rarely found myself in the position where I'm like in front of a wall of beautiful new TVs and we end up talking about GDPR and California privacy law. Yeah. And he's like, this is coming for us already. And it's like a really, it's that moment in the industry. They all know it's coming, but Apple is just saying, this is what we sell. I think the the problem you're identifying is the market, like consumers have indicated no preference for privacy. That's right. Right. So like, why would you optimize to sell that to them? Unless you're Apple, which is now it's your brand and you're hanging billboards up. 
But that's not what any of these companies are doing. And they're pushing the price of the TVs down. Whether it's privacy, whether it's your health in terms of the food that you eat, those are invisible things. Air pollution, right? It's invisible. Water pollution, it's only visible when people, you know, start getting sick sick from it and so on. And then you've got to fix the problem. So these are really things that you do need to have regulated by a government. Because, like, chicken fed with antibiotics, it tastes good to you. You're like, I don't care. Right? And then... A few years down the line, you have issues because of that, because you're not eating healthily. Like these things that are not on the superficial level, that are not visible to people, it's, I'm going to say it, it's the government's role and responsibility to protect the people from that. I'm just know? saying, I usually have Paul in that chair. Say, and this where's is Paul? 100% the opposite <laughs> of what Paul would say to me in this situation. Look, I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that Apple has signed these deals, and it's wild to me that you're almost better off if you don't want to be tracked using AirPlay to the native software, to a native Android stack, than you are plugging an Apple TV into a TV that might track you whether or not you tell it to stop you. Yeah. Which is not, like nuts. Legitimately nuts. Well, how much, through the HDMI, how much can they see? They can't oh, see everything. like, they can see what apps you're accessing? Yeah. yeah. No, they're, 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 it's automatic. It's Shazam for TV. They're able to recognize what operating system, what game you're playing, what TV show you're watching, when you stop, when you start. And they package that data up and they sell it to ad vendors. And they're all supposed to anonymize it, and, blah, and you know it's there to you know give you recommendations for what to watch next, assuming that you live your life inside of like a smart TV operating system. And you're like that ad looks good, like you're not doing that. <laughs> That's crazy. But anyway, so Apple's pushing it out. The one thing that I'm really confused about is why didn't Apple just like make a TV? Like it would it would dominate these companies if it just produced a TV. And it seems strange to me that they because the market share maybe like. Like Samsung, Vizio, well, if you except TCL, which is like Vlad mentioned. Right. Well, if you consider the biggest manufacturers of TVs, Samsung makes its own panels. TCL makes its own panels. LG makes its own panels. I can't tell you the number of press releases I've read from like Korea saying Samsung's eighth generation LCD factory, right? Mm-hmm. LG invests billions into its 12th generation such and such yeah. production line. And how does Apple just stroll into that? And we're all aware that Apple likes to have control of its supply chain. So how does Apple stroll into that without rebranding an LG, a Samsung, or a TCL TV? How does Apple make its own panels out of nowhere? Uh, it doesn't make any of the panels in the iPhone. It's a solved problem, right? Like, they know how to solve that problem. Yeah. Well, they don't it, make any it, of the panels in the, in, iPhone in, scale. in the MacBook, in the iPad. It solved the problem with the iPhone scale, but maybe that's not. it doesn't have that sort of capability on a TV scale. Yeah, I, 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 I have no idea. I just know that whatever moment that they had to make a TV, like that window closed, and now they're just like, all right, now our shit can run out. What was it of the analyst who's... Gene Monster. Monster. (laughs) There are a lot of Gene Monster jokes. As far as I'm concerned, the best reason for Apple not to make a TV is just to keep that legend going. Yeah. All right. Apple. We're going to read an ad. We're going to come back. We're going to actually talk about these very many... Vads will be very happy. Actually (laughs) talk about these TVs. This episode of the Virtualcast is brought to you by Microsoft Surface Pro 6. The Surface Pro 6 is a laptop to get if you need to get stuff done. With an 8th generation Intel Core processor, it's the fastest, most powerful Surface Pro ever. And at just under 2.5 pounds, the Surface lets you work wherever you want, your office, at the airport, or just hanging out on the couch. With up to 13 and a half hours of battery life, whatever you're doing, you'll do it uninterrupted. Do everything you need, even if it's a million things at once, with the power and speed of the new Surface Pro 6. All right, let's talk about these actual TVs. Okay, so last year at CES, we came and we saw LG Display, which is not LG Electronics. It's a separate company, quote-unquote separate. Um, And they showed a rollable TV, which is literally a TV that rolls down into a roll and then rolls back up 
and it's a 65 inch OLED TV and it looks gorgeous, it's lovely. And now all of a sudden this year's CES, it only took them a year and it went from LG Display's concept slash prototype to LG Electronics real retail product, which is going on sale in the spring. We don't know the price. I, I have a guess. Five figures? I guess it's $12,000. I was gonna say fifteen. Yeah, Actually, twelve. I was gonna I'm say ten. Yeah. Oh come on, just keep keep going up. <laughs> Forty thousand dollars. There you go. I mean, they did show it next to like an infinity pool in some yeah. guy's like beautiful LA loft on the in the cliffs in the hills. Yeah. So maybe there's two kinds of TV prototypes. There's the kind that we see here that's like, well, that's nuts, and I will never see anything like that in my home. And then there's the kind where you see it like. Well, that's amazing. And in five years, like that'll be affordable and I'll be able to get it. Which of these two do you think the LG rollable TV is? If, I honestly thought it was in the first category. I mean, I covered it at last year's CES and it was like, why? No, it <laughs> still is. Like, you can buy it, but you, can, you can't go. Like, when will I be able to buy an LG rollable TV for under $1,500? Oh, come on. No, that's what I'm asking. That's not, listen, you, you, you could say that about OLED. You know, close to my first uh, attendance at CES, OLED screens were something like 20 inches. Yeah. And they cost thousands and thousands of dollars. That's true. Right. And we're all like, this is never going to happen. Every year I come to CES yeah, and, and OLED isn't happening. It, it eventually turned into the second category. But there are other TV technologies that never make it into the second category. And so what I'm asking is, do you think the rollable TV yes. is going to make it into the second category? I don't category? think it will ever be under $2,000. Okay. Just like, Under $4,000. Yeah, I think... A 65-inch OLED TV right now costs you $2,700. Okay. It'll be that. Okay. That's, 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 that's where it'll let, let, let me talk about the tech for a moment as well, because I, I think it's really cool. What they do is they have the display, and it's still extremely fragile, this flexible display. So you're not literally rolling it up like a, you know, a, a load of cloth. They have slats on the back. They're not steel slats. <laughs> wow, Vlad. Plastic slats. All right, they have plastic slats on the back, and those uh, adhere to the screen. And then uh, Dieter put it really well. There's an airspace inside the row, mm-hmm. so the screen shouldn't touch the slats in front of it. So technically, that is really, really precise manufacturing engineering that they need to make with every one of these. And also, like first of all, that's really admirable on a technical level. And actually, being able to roll up your TV is just <laughs> practically useful. Yeah. And very cool. I just, I, and I think some people will buy it. I think yeah. it will replace projectors for some people. Yeah, exactly. But, well, so, so actually, I was not sold on this TV at all. I was like, this is the gimmick. This is just like somebody who has too much money is going to buy this until they just, all they did was they just put the thing in front of a window. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want that now. Because like, yeah. I've got a relatively big window, uh, and it means that like I, my TV's in the wall and the sun hits it and blah. But I, what I want is the window behind the TV. So that I could just like watch TV when I want and look out the window when I want. Yeah. And so to like have the thing just go away and you just have your window. But when you watch TV, it goes up and it's in front of the window. It means you can like arrange your living room the way you actually want to instead of the TV has to go in that one spot. If you guys recall, we used to have curved TVs. 60-inch, 70-inch, 80-inch, 100-inch. I, I continue inch. to own a curved TV. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yes. The point is, we used to have curved TVs, and your wife has written a really beautiful essay about how terrible they are. Then we, even Samsung made a 100-inch curved TV that flexed out to flat, and it flexed back to curved. Yeah. And that, was, that wasn't even your first category, detail. That was the zeroth category, <laughs> which is, this is a concept, this is crazy, and it's not in any way practical or an advantage mm-hmm. over anything else we have. So, like, my faith in this rollable TV is that it has that practicality. Yeah. And, and, and that draw that Dieter explains. Because I get that with a few other gadgets as well, where 
you might see it on paper and you're like, yeah, it's a gadget. And then you see it, you pick it up and you're like, whoa. Uh, and you had that. Yeah. With a fidget spinner. Yes. <laughs> with LED with lights a, in it. It's a wall moment. Yeah. It's what I need. No, look, the LG TV is, CS is often full of science projects, right? So like Samsung made a TV that flexes the curb and flexes back. You can't find like a normal person and be like, I saw a great gadget. Like the local news. This, the test for me at CS is always like, what is the local news going to pick up? And they didn't pick that up. They're like, they can't sell that. Yeah. Right. But they can easily pick up this TV rolls up and goes away. I think they can pick up. Here's a here. Like Samsung's micro LED thing where you can just like build a TV of whatever size you want out of like little panels. Yeah. That stuff to me is okay. We're get, we're getting better at saying how should the screens integrate into our living spaces. Yeah. I think it kind of hits on the whole like screenless trend too. of, you know, we're starting to become more cognizant of how much we stare at screens. Mm-hmm. And this is great. It's like, oh, I can finally look out my window now. Yeah. There's a whole other world out there, Dieter. <laughs> I'm going to look at it. <laughs> it's, yeah. not, it's not 90 degrees away from the screen that you're addicted to. I'm that projector person. You know, I like don't own a TV. I don't ever really want to own a TV. But because of the fact that I hate it aesthetically, I think yeah. it's so ugly in your house. So this is perfect for me. When I saw this, I was like, hell yeah. It actually reminded me of a Bang & Olufsen product. Like, I, mm-hmm. This seems yes. like such a product they would sell. And they have the luxury, you know, too. So I don't know. Yeah. It just seems like something they would sell. I think five years, $2,700. Okay. That's my, that's my target. for the That's what I'll TV. be due for a new TV. So it's perfect. perfect. There is actually a very good chance of Bang & Olufsen just doing a B&O edition of this kind of TV. Yeah. Because they've collaborated with LG previously. Yeah, this seems like such a product for them. Yeah. So th- that's the LG 88. And then they did an 88-inch... 8K? 8K. 8K. HDMI 2.1, which is the more exciting part of that, right? I mean, it's just the thing that can drive those screens. Yeah, okay, fine. So HDMI 2.1 <laughs> is here. It's like variable refresh rate, enough bandwidth to do 8K at 60 frames per second. Yeah. Or 4K at 120. Yeah. 8K display is really only useful in Japan where NHK like does some tests. It's not, not useful at all. Come on. Yeah. Well, I think my thing is that you know that 4K is like cheap and ready to go because they're already talking about 8K. Yeah. Like if you were like on the fence, like, okay, it's critical mass. Netflix will just happily stream you some 4K stuff tomorrow at like a reasonable bit rate that you'll enjoy looking at. Like, go buy a TV. You'll be happy. Turn off the tracking. Samsung also talked about 8K, but their big thing is a 75 inch micro LED, which is now a product that they're going to sell. Yeah. And it's, it's like you basically can put your TV together, like, you know, panel by panel. Oh, that was very cool as well. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. like, it's cool as like watching it put together and have them turn on automatically. Yeah. Uh, it's cool for me because it's, um, it's a more practical version for, in my mind than LG's wallpaper TV for some reason. Mm-hmm. Just because like it's easier to like mount on the wall and less fragile than that wallpaper TV, I think, in, in some ways. Just, I don't know, it, it's like Ashley was saying, like it, it makes the TV less of an imposing hulking thing in the room. It's mm-hmm. like you just put a little, you stick it on the wall and if I want to put it on that wall over there, I can do it because it's just little panels I pick up so and reattach. Ca- can you buy like a 35, 40-inch TV like this and then just be like a few years down the line, okay, I'll add a few more panels. Why not? So that is the demo they're giving, which is they built a little TV out of like four panels. Yeah. And then some like dude, like it's a GIF. You can like look at it on our site. Like some dude picks up another panel and like just sticks it next to the thing and it like slowly becomes a bigger TV. Yeah. Bang & again. I, I, this is turning into a Bang & show. But they have that with speakers. So they have these arrays, and they cost like £4,000, dollars. Oh, I know what you're whatever. talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're wall-mounted, right? And yeah. you can have four or five of those. You know, if you're kind of low-end luxury, four or five of those. Um, <laughs> wow. and, and, then, and then you get four or five more, 
and then you get four or five more. But the neat technological thing is that the more panels you add, the more speakers you add, it just automatically recognizes how many speakers it has and distributes the sound across the wall. Yeah. So, so that will be the ultimate thing. A B&O wall array and then Samsung's micro LED array. And it's, yeah. And then we can get one of those like light panels from NanoLeaf that you just keep there adding you go. on and yeah. like, whoa. This is like the same idea as Sonos, but like crazier. Like you'll just get a bigger living room someday. You're yeah. going to do great. You're going to work hard. You're going to get another room in your house for a Sonos speaker, and then your living room will be bigger, and you're going to need a bigger TV and a Nanoleaf array and a Bang & Olufsen <laughs> speaker array, and we're just going to keep growing with you. Sony announced uh, 8K TVs as well. They announced some new 4K TVs. Obviously, they're a big announcement. Actually, Sony didn't have announcements. Like Their press conference was bad. Like I don't know how else to say it. Like they're, you know, they have a new CEO. He came out. He was like, "We're gonna be a creative entertainment company." He brought out the head of Sony Pictures, who is the squarest gentleman that I've ever seen in in my life. He was like, "Was he wearing a bow tie?" No, nah. he, he was just. Uh, it was bad. And he brought brought out Phil Lord and Chris Miller to talk about Spider Man into the Spider Verse. They made Spider Man into the Spider Verse boring. Yeah. Ugh. It was like a lot. And then they brought out like a Sony music executive, who then brought out Pharrell. Pharrell looks very sleepy and went off the prompter and was just saying things like, I, what did he say? I, the infinite field of audiovisual experiences. Like, Pharrell was stunned. Like, I, I don't know how else to explain what was going on with Pharrell. Pharrell he was kept, drugged. He was like, we push you like, the He was like, I can't, where's my Ibo? And then he was like, actually, I have an Ibo. And then, like, the Sony Music Executive was like, I want to be clear that Pharrell has an Ibo. <laughs> like, was, and they announced no products at this press event. And the lead up to it was a New York Times article with a new CEO that was like, here's this vision for Sony that's going to be on display at the Consumer Electronics Show. Everyone thought he was going to walk away from, you know, the entertainment and gaming assets, but he's going to, it's going to be the focus of the, so we were all like, we had like a lot of people watching this keynote. So it's Sony, it's the, I mean, I watched the beginning of it. It's like, we make the stuff that, we make cameras and stuff for creators, and then we make movies and stuff. And then we also make the stuff that people use to consume this stuff. It's like they're just, they, they do, they have the whole cycle. It's like they're one Sony. <laughs> I mean, they announced, Explain the way, joke, they announced one Sony uh, five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, with Howard Stringer. Sir Howard Stringer, who is a crazy person. Um, yeah, I mean, like Sony has been announcing the fact that they make cameras and that they own a movie studio that uses the cameras to make movies. They've been announcing that at CES since 1971. Like, yeah. I, I don't know what the point of this was, except to say the new CEO got to Do, do people stage. use Sony cameras to make movies? J uh, James Cameron does, apparently. I think yeah. they or use Jim, Red as his square friend prefers yeah. to him. <laughs> I don't want to relive this press conference. I'm just telling you that it was bad, and the real news that Sony announced is all in press releases, <laughs> including a bunch of new TVs. Mm -hmm. Another interesting trend here is uh, all the companies are saying the speakers in their TVs are better. Yeah. Like Sony's already leading that way. And then Sony just made a huge, huge deal. I mean, the biggest news of the show is obviously the party speaker that has built-in cups oh my God. for beer pong. Stop it. Which is the single best announcement of the show, in my opinion. <laughs> it's not for beer There's pong. There's no lights on it. It's just so no lights. DJ can put the, the beer somewhere. So Ashley and I, when we did the Circuit Breaker show, we called in a bunch of huge <laughs> party speakers, including some Sony ones that like light up. This one appears to be from a different division at Sony, using different branding, a different industrial design. But it folds out and it has cup holders in the It's top. like a serious speaker. Yeah. Like we had the fun speakers, which is where you put the beer holders. All I'm telling you is that the incredible growth and in action in the party speaker market is conclusive proof 
that no one actually knows what people want. We got to find them at CES. I want to interview See what the, the new iteration is. Just like imagine like your, your job. Like you're, you're, we have jobs. Like we, you know, like Sometimes. go to work. Something happens. <laughs> we go to meetings. Like we have to pitch stuff. Like if you're in your car, you're listening to Virtuous, you might be driving to work. You know, you've got like a boss. Imagine you're the person at Sony and you're like, it's time for the third generation of party speakers. And you're like putting together your PowerPoint. You've got like a bunch of market research. And you're like, you know, fraternities on average destroy these every two years. Here's our replacement cycle. We've done a bunch of pricing data. LG's party speakers have karaoke functions. Like there, someone's doing that work. We have to find them. TV trends at CES. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a minute, actually more like a million minutes, where the industry was telling us that we really wanted 3D. They were just, you want 3D. And we knew it was a lie. And then they were telling us we really wanted curved TVs. And then they were telling us we really want 4K. That was the cool new thing. And then they were telling us, no, 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 you want HDR. No, you want this HDR. No, you want that HDR. You want this standard. That's it. Blah, blah, blah. And there was a whole thing there, right? Then they were telling us one thin. I don't see the whole industry like pushing a new thing here. They're trying to inspire us with rolling TVs and TVs you can like on the wall, but there's no like, this is the next big thing in, in television. No, because like they're in the refresh 8K cycle. is coming there later, but we're in this cycle where there's no like hype cycle for like a TV feature. They like are all just, they've all like, we're, they all support each other's HDR standards by and large now. They all have got 4K by and large. They've all got their like little, you know, local dimming gimmick here there, but there's no like grand, like this is what TVs are going to be now moment. This year, no, because they are that thing. That's what I mean by the inflection point. Yeah, like this is just the the sort of like periodicity of the curve is happening. Like they sold everybody flat panels, and then they sold everybody HD, and then they were fine with that for a minute, and then they were like, "Oh shit, we have to sell everybody a new TV." Yep. Do you want 3D? Do you want this? Do you want that? Now they're like really good at like people are buying the new TVs. Yeah, right. So they don't actually have to like drive demand; they just have to produce the panels. Yep, and they're like. You can see the glimmers of the next thing happening, but I think it'll be a year or two before right. right now. It's like it has Alexa, it has Google assistant, it has airplay. Like those are the features people are buying because the panels and the content are all there. Yeah. But honestly, it makes sense for them to plateau a little bit because as you were saying, Dita, 4k was a big thing for a long time, which was a big thing out there, not in my house. Right. And then OLED was kind of on, on a parallel line to 4k. And, and there was a time, there was a CES where we're like, well, what would you choose, right? Would you choose the 4K TV or would you choose the OLED TV? Because they didn't have OLED that mature. Now we have 4K OLED and HDR and flatness and rollable capability. Mm -hmm. Okay, we don't really have low, rollable, yeah. purchasable. But the point is, all of these desirable things, especially 4K and OLED, when we had them apart, everybody was like, I just want them together. I just want them together. Yeah. So we need to... At least be a little bit appreciative now and just be like, yes, the something's going to get Ashley to buy a TV. Prices are with gradually coming down. Rollable 4K OLED with HDR. That's the one. And and, and you probably want the crystal uh, display sound. For sure, yeah, throw it in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll also take the floor mats. <laughs> yeah. If you could add these cup holders. The infinity pool. Can I go back to talking about the person and how they definitely had to like get solo <laughs> cup specs? I want to know the person that has a $15,000 OLED TV in their infinity pool outside. They're just like, they just got to sit outside. It's Mark Cuban. Yeah. Okay. For years, the like the thing at CS was Mark Cuban has a standing order for the biggest TV the industry can make. Yeah. So they would announce like a hundred inch plasma. And then like, they'd be like, well, one's already being shipped to Mark Cuban. Like, <laughs> it was really, it was really lame. Well, if we're going to talk about cup holders, let, let me just mention this. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> let me just mention this. How bleak do you think it is 
for somebody like me, living by himself, single, four cup holders in a speaker. <laughs> I just want the mega bass, man. Why do you have to We're make gonna me... get you this speaker and you're gonna throw a party. Why do you have to make me with feel up lonely? To four people and no more. I don't more. even drink beer, man. I mean, yeah, come like, on. If you have a party with five people, that fifth person is like not in the club. <laughs> <laughs> like stand in the corner. We're gonna crowd by the mega bass speaker. All right, can I just quickly say TCL also announced new TVs, including uh, the whole industry is pushing towards seventy-five inch TVs. Yeah, they also announced an AK TV. They announced an Android TV, which is not being sold in the United States. And the TCL press conference was legitimately crazy. You watched it with me. You watched it with yeah. me. Yeah, we were watching. Was the that whole where thing they said the like the TV is cake? The, uh, the 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 contrast is the cake. The contrast, contrast is, is the, the cake. cake. I mean, there's just a lot and of lines. Something about where, frosting. Yeah, contrast is the cake. Nobody buys a TV because they want a television. Yes, that's another line they said. Uh, they put up a slide that says TCL loves our customers, and then said zero words about privacy. Yeah, and they said we by the end of the next few years will be everyone in America's preferred consumer electronics brand. Yeah, which <laughs> is just a big claim. Just, they have a lot of goals for 2019. Like, <laughs> man, like I feel like the Samsung <laughs> people have a lot to say about so, that. So, I mean, Neil, you're a boss of people, humans. If somebody came to you and had like a quarterly conversation with you, yeah. they're like, "So, listen, my goal for the rest of the year is <laughs> to be beloved by the country." Yeah. I'd like dream big, get out there, <laughs> just like maybe not pervasively track everybody. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Neelai Patel. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Verge, co-host of The Vergecast, and I want to tell you about Better Worlds, an exciting new science fiction project from The Verge. Look, everything today is so bleak. The news is terrible, the TV shows are grim, even our superheroes are gritty and dark. But so many great creators and inventors were inspired by golden age science fiction. Shows like Star Trek, writers like Octavia Butler and Isaac Asimov, stories that imagined how science could improve the future. That's why we at The Verge are launching Better Worlds, a new series of short fiction, audio, and animation that explores how technology can shape our society and environment in better, more equitable ways. Writers like Lee Alexander, John Scalzi, and Cadwell Turnbull are writing stories about new possibilities, from virtual pets bringing people together to communities leveraging AI to survive worsening hurricane seasons. Science fiction should expand our horizons and help us imagine bright futures. And that's what we're trying to do with Better Worlds. So subscribe and stay tuned to the Verge Extras podcast feed as we adapt five of our 10 stories for audio. And if you want to read these stories or watch the animated videos, go to theverge.com. We are launching Better Worlds January 14th, and our first audio story goes up on the Extras feed on Wednesday, January 16th. So once again, go to the Verge Extras podcast feed and stay tuned for Better Worlds in 2019. A little bit of extra silly CS stuff. Ashley, I want you to tell the people how you made the fragrance vendors get into a fight. Well, so I love drama. Yeah. And we went to, oh my God, was it Unveiled? Unveiled. Yes, CES Unveiled. Which is where just a bunch of companies get together in a Mandalay Bay banquet room and exhibit their things. And it's the first we're seeing of like basically CES. It's the start of the show sort of yeah. for press. Yeah. Anyway, so last year on the Circuit Breaker show, I had showed Dieter and Neelai this device called the Moodoo, which promises to turn anyone into a scented DJ and you have to buy these capsules that you put into the device and you can remix the scents to customize it to however you want your house to smell. And they were there this year and I was like, all right, I got to go say hey to my, my guy. And I realized that there's another smart scent company and they're also exhibiting 
in this ballroom. So I go over to my my bro at Mudu and I'm like, yo, man, there's another smart sign company here. <laughs> and I'm like, how do you feel about that? And he's like, who is it? And I'm, it's like a crazy name. All I know is the device is called the Compose with a Z at the end. And I'm like, these guys from France, Compose. Of France. <laughs> this dude's wow. Israeli. There's a lot of French people in Avilius. Yeah, and he's like, well, we have patents, so I'm not worried. And I'm Ooh. like, okay. And then he starts going off about how like scent technology works. And, I, and then I was, he's like, I don't know who they are. Like I've never seen them. I was like, I'll walk over with you if you want to go check it out. So I walk him across this ballroom <laughs> and I'm just like rubbing my hands together. I'm so freaking hyped. I love drama and I want them to fight or something. <laughs> or and something. So, <laughs> like a smell fight. You, like you do throw. realize that taking him over to French people, there was a high probability of the fighting happening. I would love to see I a fight. I saw Ashley like in the middle of this. She's like, they're going to fight. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so he's wearing a shirt that says Moodoo on it. So as we're walking over, he starts like hiding his shirt. <laughs> he has his badge on. He flips his badge over so they can't see his name. He kind of stands like a very safe distance away and observes from afar. Yeah. And he starts making comments about the device, trying to figure out how it works. And I was like, I don't have any answers for you because they, when I talked to them, they told me it's their secret. He's like, it's their, their little secret. They can't tell me how it works, even though their thing is patented. Yeah. So anyway, no one fought, but I got to write a story about it. And then I found out today that there's actually another smart sense company. So there's three. Yeah. This shit's crazy. I'm telling you, it's all about this recurring revenue thing. Yeah. Everyone every, wants to sign you a yeah. subscription. Yes. Every VC funder, when you go to them as a startup, does not want to hear your pitch unless you have a recurring revenue model. Every hardware company I've talked to that's starting up tells me this. They're like, you need to have it. You won't get money. They think hardware's dead until you give them the recurring revenue model. You see it everywhere. Do you think the Sony speaker people have like signed a deal with like, Solo cup. <laughs> What's like a ping pong ball company? Yeah. You know, like. Automatic refills. We can sense when it's empty. Yeah. Oh man. There's also a smart toilet at CS or announced at CS. I mean, Kohler. there's smart toilets all the time, but for some reason this one really took off because Kohler. Kohler because they had this insane commercial with this like jacked bro, like asking his toilet to like set the mood and then like going in to take a bath a and bath? like yeah in the toilet well no next to the toilet the <laughs> toilet controlled the room because it was a smart toilet and it was able to turn the lights down and I feel like in, in our tub. our many years running conversation about where should the mics and speakers go <laughs> the no toilet ever, has yeah. never come up as the answer <laughs> and Kohler boldly was like what if the microphone was in the toilet I mean here's the here's and the toilet had mood LEDs all over it the problem the real the real problem is Kohler on their on their press release said that uh, you can have a fully immersive experience with the toilet. <laughs> and this is where I come in to fact check do, do this. Do you want to fully immerse yourself in the toilet? Is that, <laughs> Ashley, is that where? Go ahead and fact check it. I don't think it's a bidet. And that is clearly the fully immersive experience. Yeah. Yeah. And also, people love bidets. Yeah. Where's the bidet? Vlad, I'm looking at you because you're European. Well, they, they, had, they needed to make space for the microphones. <laughs> <laughs> it is a heated seat, apparently. I, I have zero answers to provide here. I am still blown away, in fact. I met with a headphone company at a suite at a hotel here. And I was like, where is the bathroom? I'd like to use your facilities. I walked into the bathroom. That place is bigger than my living room. Yeah. And it was just the bathroom. <laughs> it had an extra corridor. <laughs> not, not joking. I'm not, I am not, I'm not exaggerating. There was an extra <laughs> corridor of the bathroom. And then there was a toilet. Yeah. One one room with a toilet and a bidet, and I guess the other room, I don't know what was in it, because I found what I needed, right? So it was good. 
That's fine. Yeah. But it's literally, there's the bathroom, a corridor, and then an extra thing on top. I understand. This is what every American home is like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? What's the story about? Uh, Vlad, what are the most expensive headphones you've worn so far at CS? Uh, oh, they're, they're old. They're old. Um, but they're, well, it also depends, right? Depending on when you hit, listen to this podcast, the price will shift. And here's why. They have 200 grams of gold in them and six carats of diamonds embedded into the headphones. The base price of the headphones is $4,000, so it won't dip below 4000 But depending on the price of gold, the price will fluctuate. <laughs> oh, dang. So you so, could get a good deal, actually. Yeah. So at the moment, they're $120,000. These are the focus. Wait, 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 wait. What? How how flaky is the price of gold? <laughs> well, so the base price is four thousand dollars for the headphones. Yeah, yeah. and then you These can are... add one hundred sixteen. Sixteen. It's very late. Yeah. One hundred sixteen thousand dollars worth of gold to the headphones. Yeah, but it's it's finely crafted gold. It's embedded diamonds. Uh, these are the Focal Utopia. So as I say, at four thousand dollars, they're super pricey, but they're also very good. So as headphones, they're great, right? Yeah. And they don't even look that extraordinarily gaudy. You know, they they are just flashy. Yeah. It just, they have a few too many zeros in the back end. So I put them on, I took a photo, because you have to, yeah. right? Uh, and then I handed them back and I said, I don't have insurance coverage for this, so just take them away. Wait, so you can can you buy them at $4,000? Yes, without the gold and the diamonds. And then you can, are there, are there steps between... Four thousand and one hundred twenty thousand dollars. This is the thing. Focal, which is the French company that do speakers and headphones, they make the original four thousand dollar headphone, and then they uh, collaborate with some ultra luxury crazy company. I see. And they make special editions. And there's only like I don't know eight of them in the world. Yeah. And they sold one, um, which was number eight, which is lucky in Vietnam. They sold it to a Vietnamese person. Okay. That that's all I know about it. I do not know. I do not know that they've sold a second. <laughs> Oh, I see. So one through seven, they've just like gotten a safe. I mean, they're around. I mean, listen, that's they're the around. There's the other thing. The value of gold is there. And actually, the value of good headphones, again, is there. They don't have built-in obsolescence. They don't have built-in obsolescence. Yeah. Because it's all electric. Because they're wired. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, you can't fit that much gold in them. They're smaller, right? So they can never be... I'm just going to transition this to something else headphone-related. <laughs> I tweeted maybe one of the worst tweets of my life. It had a glaring typo in it. It said, maybe people want headphone jack on their phones. <laughs> just missing articles. We are now up to like 11,000 likes. In no. Yeah. Like, I don't know if people just like the typo. Or they they're just like, yes, this is like, this is how I feel about this. Like, I'm, I'm so angry. I can barely speak. Like, I just want headphone jack. Like, they're just, it's like a it, compulsive. Just saying. It's, the it's wool. Is there. Okay. It's wool. The solution is wool. <laughs> yeah. We want wool. We want wool. Without wool, we don't go I mean, anywhere. I want headphone jack on phone. Like, that's where we're at with this thing. Uh, Ace has made a laptop that uh, has a little bump at the top for the webcam. Yeah. It's, so that there's no notch or so there's not a smaller bezel. And you know what? I'm totally here for it. Just make, yeah. make yes. just, just put, put a little put, camera bump. Put a little bump at the top. Yeah, it's yeah. cute. It's the best. Let, let, me, let me squeeze in a couple of things here. Just very brief. <laughs> these, are, these are very brief techie things. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, <clears throat> I'm calling that reversing the notch, the thing that Asus no, did. No, it's nega notch. Nega notch? Nega notch. I don't like either of these things. Fair enough. Anyway, but I, I, I like it and, and I, I, um, I tried <laughs> that. To stop talking about the so bad. I, tried I definitely want you to stop saying it. Okay, forget the name, forget the name. I tried the very similar thing that Lenovo did with the Yoga S940. Yeah. It's a new laptop that they've done. Uh, it's a smaller 
protrusion, but it makes total sense. The bezels are ultra thin. Yeah. The protrusion is like a couple of millimeters higher and it's just at the center of the laptop and it allows you to have the webcam at the center, at the top, yeah. where it belongs. Yeah. Those are top-notch things. Oops, sorry. Um, wow. But here's the point. When that comes down, it, it is exactly the thing that you need to open up the laptop. Yeah. And still on the OS 940, the display on that, I think the edges have that 2.5D curve on it that you have on phones. Mm -hmm. And that combined with thin bezels and just like really, really gorgeous and rich colors on that display. Just kind of took, blew me away. Usually I go to the Novo's uh, briefings and I'm like, show me the ThinkPad. Okay, yeah. I'm here for the ThinkPad. I don't care about all your smart home stuff. I don't have that much of a home. Just give me the ThinkPad. <laughs> but this time I was like, okay, never mind ThinkPad. This yoga just kind of, yeah, yeah. it grabbed me. It grabbed me. It was really impressive. So I think um, whenever we get that info review, that's going to be a really awesome laptop to review. Uh, that being said, we'll set that aside. Final techie thing, and then we can talk about AT&T and stuff. Uh, Corsair the yeah. gaming peripherals company, they've reinvented the RGB LED. And usually I would be like, oh, for crying out loud, you know, just a massive eye roll. But the way that they've done it is actually super impressive because the usual uh, LED that you embed in, into things like mice and keyboards is about the size of a, a fingernail because there's an assembly around the LED to keep it together and make it actually function and work. What they've done is they've reduced some ridiculous, it's, uh, you know, it's the size of a pin the head of a pin. Uh, so now they can fit 100 LEDs in the space where they could previously fit four. And they're 60% brighter, 60% more power efficient. Uh, literally every parameter is better. This is, is a better. bigger story because tiny LEDs are behind almost everything we've talked about here, right? They're yeah. behind the contrast backlight, contrast is the cake backlights <laughs> in TCL TVs or behind the micro LED displays. It's like a, I just keep hearing in one way or the other, like, there are smaller LEDs in this world, and now we can do something else. Like, for example, this gaming mouse. Yeah, and, and well, it's, it's a gaming mouse. Um, <clears throat> it's for keyboards. It, well, of course, with them, it's for RAM sticks. Mm -hmm. So now you have 12 individually addressable LEDs on your RAM sticks. So you can do all sorts of programming and, like, To flowing. make your RAM light up. Yeah. Of course. I mean, if, oh, your RAM, I if your RAM doesn't light up, why do you even have a PC? I mean, come on. <laughs> Uh, and also Corsair, somebody asked a really good question from the journalists who are really hardworking and worthy people about whether somebody else will copy it. But Corsair, they said they basically bought the production line with the partner that they have for these LEDs. So for, for at least a while longer, they're going to be the gaming peripherals maker who has this uh, mini exclusive for this. And, and, you know, with keyboards, they especially want to do it with wireless because then the LEDs consume like basically no power. Uh, the backlight with, on them is just intense. It, it doesn't feel, because any backlight they have, even on MacBook Pro keyboards, you can kind of tell there's individual lights underneath. Yep. Yeah. But if you, if you, you know, string together these ones in a really dense alignment, it just looks like it's literally color coming out of your keyboard and just intense and impressive. I'm here for it. Wow. Also here for individually addressable LEDs on RAM 6. Absolutely. <laughs> what am I doing? I got to build a PC. All right, Dieter. Yeah. Tell us about evil, thieving, lying AT&T, which, by the way, has not yet responded the fact that they are launching a streaming service called Verge TV. No, they're not launching it. They trademarked the, with the possibility that they might intend to someday, but they're not launching it because we won't let them. It's true. Hold fast, Flood. I'm holding. Flood's going to throw a carrot at AT&T <laughs> until they give up. Just as they did with 4G, AT&T is running 5G by naming 4G phones 5GE phones, and that update, as we have discussed, is the worst, and it is now going out. So we dutifully wrote the post saying, 
if you have any of these particular Android phones, Samsung phone, uh, your it's, a, it's the LG, it's like the V40 and the S8 Active. It's yeah, like some crazy yeah. set of phones. You're not going to see 4G or LTE in your status bar. You're going to see 5GE, and you should know that this is a lie. This is not 5G. This is 4G, and in fact, not to put too fine a point on it, but AT&T is actually behind when it comes to rolling out LTE Advance, the faster version of LTE that they think counts as 5G, E, E. They're actually way behind where Verizon... Anyway, so we, we Jake wrote this post. We were busy at CES, running around, looking at Twitter and we could, whatever. Um, I, uh, ha- I'm using an Android phone, which means I don't have an iPhone, which means I, uh, I don't have... Well, I have an iPhone, but it means the point is, it means I had the algorithm on. On Twitter. Twitter. And so I saw one of the more popular tweets that I had missed during the day. And it was T-Mobile replying to The Verge uh, with a short little video clip uh, applying a tiny little 9G post-it note to an iPhone saying <laughs> I didn't know it was that easy. <laughs> yeah. so wow. And now they, they're beefing. In they they burned, solid they it's like pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Do you think AT&T is going to have the shame to stop it? No. Hmm. Also, don't get on your high horse, T-Mobile people. Because you did it, too. Because T-Mobile did it, too. The only reason we refer to it as LTE instead of 4G is because T-Mobile was one of the people screwing it up, and the whole term yeah. concept of 4G got destroyed. I think T-Mobile might be doing it with 5G, too. <sighs> they're going to. No, they can't now because they started well, they can't. But I think what they're calling 5G is not as much 5G as what Verizon thinks 5G is. It's unclear to me. I don't know. I don't know what 5G is. What if? I do know that I'm on a panel at 8 a.m. tomorrow talking about 5G. <laughs> so Listen, I if you don't know what 5G is, you're perfectly in your place. And then it here at CES. I, don't, I will say there's another tech reporter. Uh, I won't blow her up too much, but she was like, I'm on a panel about 6G. <laughs> what? <Yes>. Yo. <laughs> no. Okay, we have to wrap it up. Yes. We've been going for a minute. Well, we do, we'll do another one. We're doing another one of these tomorrow. Yeah. Here's what we didn't talk about this on this episode at all, Alexa or Google Assistant. We're going to the show floor. We're going to see a bunch of crazy stuff. So tomorrow, come back. We're going to get into what's happening with the smart home platforms. I suspect it will be a lot. Dieter actually has a piece up, Google Assistant now on a billion devices. Yep. Uh, so that's, I think we're going to go see some of them. Some subset of <laughs> a billion devices. We're going to go look at them tomorrow. So come back for the broadcast tomorrow. I'm also interviewing a bunch of other people here at CES. So look out for those interview feeds. Uh, interview shows to hit the feed. Ashley Carmen, you are doing an episode of Why'd You Push That Button live. Yeah. We're making Caitlin come to CES. Yeah, Caitlin's coming to Vegas. We're worried for everyone. This is exciting for me and Caitlin. We've Tell never been the to people, Vegas together. If you're at CES, you can come, they can like come see you, right? Yeah, if anyone's at CES, our show is actually taking place at Google's mansion or whatever we're calling it, the <laughs> compound, Yeah. whatever word Dieter used. Mance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're really early in the morning. We're at 9.15. We're going to be interviewing Brett Kinsella from voicebot.ai. He just loves voice assistants. And Lillian Rincon from Google Assistant about what it means to have a smart speaker or a smart assistant as a part of your home and like part of your family. That's fun. Yeah. Etiquette. Please troll them a little bit. Anybody involved in smart That's like assistant. why Caitlin. That's like Caitlin's like <laughs> the thing. You can also listen to Why'd You Push That Button in your feeds right now. Go listen to that. You can yes, listen. our um, season finale is this week, and it is honestly the best episode ever. I'm excited. It's an all-star cast, and it's about elite dating apps. Wow. Oh, you've been working on this one for a while. There's also like the whole rest of the episode, so go listen to Olive Button. If you're at CES, come listen to Ashley and Caitlin at the Google Place, or just wait for that to hit your feed. 
You can also listen That'll to, happen at some point. You can also listen to Pivot with Scott Galloway. And you can listen to Function with Neil Dash, all part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. And we will see you tomorrow for more Vergecast and CS. Rock and roll. Paul. Oh. Promo code? This episode of the Vergecast is brought to you by Microsoft Surface Pro 6. The Surface Pro 6 is a laptop to get if you need to get stuff done. With an 8th generation Intel Core processor, it's the fastest, most powerful Surface Pro ever. And at just under 2.5 pounds, the Surface lets you work wherever you want, your office, at the airport, or just hanging out on the couch. With up to 13.5 hours of battery life, whatever you're doing, you'll do it uninterrupted. Do everything you need, even if it's a million things at once, with the power and speed of the new Surface Pro 6.